face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Looks like we are live. Hello, welcome to another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation. And today I am joined by someone who I've already uh, had the pleasure of uh, having on another show, Drunk Space Nine. Uh, It is The Major. Hello, The Major. Hello. How are you? I'm much more sober (laughs) than the last time we spoke. Um, <laughs> yes, the, appropriately so, as Starfleet <laughs> Boy <laughs> is a little bit more serious than Drunk Space Nine is, perhaps. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Um, it. So are you on Bajor? We pretend in the show, so just go as far out as you want to. <laughs> are you, <laughs> Major, are you on Bajor? I am. Mm-hmm. I am Excellent. on Bajor. I like the setting over there on Bajor. Yeah, it's very are you, nice. Cozy. Do we want to pretend that you're on Cardassian occupied Bajor or are you on liberated Bajor? Like, how, how are we going to do our hangouts? <laughs> well, I would think since technically I exist prior to Kira, that this is liberated or this is like way, way, it's not liberated. It's way before the Cardassians even come. So, oh, wow. So it's we, like. But we like, know that they're coming. So that's the thing. Because the prophets <laughs> told us. So, yeah. I like that. That's a very <laughs> cool. That's a very cool place to be. So, all right. That's. I like that. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm here at Starfleet headquarters. And, uh, you know, uh, for some reason, Starfleet headquarters was moved to Seattle. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's right. I remember why. Because in Star Trek uh, Into Darkness. Uh, San Francisco is destroyed by the uh, by Khan's starship. So right. yeah, we're in the we're in the Kelvin timeline, and we're in Seattle, which is the mm. new headquarters for Starfleet. Nice. <laughs> it rains a lot there. Do you like it? I love it. It actually does rain a lot, but it's not a bothersome rain, if that makes any sense. At least not to me. But yeah. some people might. Some people may be bothered by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna jump right into the episode summary unless you'd like to do it um so i actually did watch it twice so i would get some (laughs) of the summary Um, (laughs) basically starfleet is wanting um them to kind of do like a tactical operation where they just kind of run through basic maneuvers um to defeat each other and um picard is kind of against it because you know, Starfleet is more exploratory than they are actually military. Um, and they go through um, the exercise, but the Ferengi come along and think that they're, you know, <laughs> actually fighting. So they want to know what's so valuable. And that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> you skipped all the wonderful space battles, but no, I love your summary. It was actually it's a it was actually summary. the exact it's actually the exact story. You nailed it. You got it correct. So that gives us actually a lot more to talk about during the episode, which is awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of the Ferengi, that was uh, our friend uh, Armin Shimmerman uh, mm-hmm. playing. I forget what the I wrote it down or I put it in a note here. Yeah. Look my, I remember looking at him and thinking that's not Quark. But he's it is. he's it is it's Armin <laughs> Shimmerman and it looks yeah like a proto quirk his makeup's kind of not not quite quirk and uh, he's he's playing a character named Braktor. No. <laughs> he's much more so, tough in this. So. Oh yeah, he's like way t- well actually like the scene where uh, Captain Picard hails them mm-hmm. like his his expression's actually priceless to me because he's kind of like 
And which he's kind of like, what are, why haven't you fired back? He's just so confused <laughs> yeah. that like the, 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 the enterprise is just letting them attack them. So, yeah. you know, he's just like weirded out. And then I, and then I think for me it was exciting cause I was like, oh my God, I totally had forgotten that, you know, it's Armin Shimmerman. So this was a, one of, must've been one of his, uh, you know, I think he, was also playing a Fringy in one of the first introductions of the Fringy, but mm-hmm. this is uh, this is uh, he's well precursor to yeah he's well versed in the Fringy ways, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it was exciting. Um, I do remember that um, Captain Picard also said something about the reason why he's indulging the whole um, uh, tactical maneuvers exercises because he wants the crew to be prepared for the an Borg. eminent Borg attack. Yeah, so I feel like. Uh, yeah, we they're crossed over. Foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah, it's like they're definitely foreshadowing a little mm-hmm. bit about what's to come, <clears throat> which okay. is exciting because season three is going to be pretty awesome. What did you like the best about this episode? What was maybe your favorite scene? You know, it's really funny. Um, when I watched TNG, you know, for the first time, I skipped over season two for the most part because I wasn't fond of the whole. Pulaski uh, crusher drama that happened. I had I had the same problem. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, so I think I've seen this episode probably three times, and twice would be today. Um, wow. But I actually enjoyed her in it, um, and it's not to say that I didn't like her to begin with. It you know I have loyalties so. Um, that, that's pretty much why uh, the politics bothered me a lot. But um, I, I liked her. I liked her being kind of this catalyst to really um, mess with. Uh, I had his name written down. The the Sir Sir Serna Kolrami. He's yeah. the what salami. are they? Zach Dorn. We'll call him salami. <laughs> salami. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He's, he's in there to run the. It almost feels like an experiment, but the Mr. Egotistical. Um, I really, yep. I really liked her pitting data against him and <laughs> that kind of thing. That was really funny to me. Um, and Picard also says one of my favorite lines ever too, because when he's explaining like a loss to data, he says something along the lines of like, "You can, you know, not make any mistakes and still lose." Oh yeah, and that was a great. Mm-hmm. That's really like, good. <laughs> Data still doesn't like, understand. <laughs> but he's, at least then, then after that, he's like, "And leave your uh, your confidence <laughs> yes. issues in your quarters." Yes. And I was like, "That's awesome." He's very Picard is very uh, stern and dark in this episode. I felt like really dark. Also, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Like, tell me how you perceived his darkness. He was very serious, and yeah, I don't know if I, I like he so. was just. I mean, you know, they mentioned the Borg and that kind of thing, and he he gets darker towards that period. But, um, but yeah, he was very, very serious through this. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right, and I feel like they definitely exploit that kind of side of him later on Mm -hmm. um, in the seasons to come. And so, yeah, it's a really good observation, I think. Excellent. (laughs) Excellent work, uh, Major, but I expect nothing less from you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, so, so you really liked, uh, uh, what's her name? Diane Muldar's performance, um, (laughs) in this. And, you know, I have to say that I agree with you. Um, and I, I confessed earlier in Starfleet Boy, I was talking, uh, with, I think the doctor where I also had the same kind of like problems. Um, the very first time I saw this episode when I was a kid, I was, well, actually, I don't even remember seeing this episode. I may, it may be one of the episodes, um, that I did see later in a, in a, in a subsequent rewatch. But at the time I do remember not particularly being engaged in season two and, or interested cause I was really upset about Dr. Crusher leaving. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad because now that I'm watching it in a new way, like where I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm 38 years old. I've had a lot of life experiences. So there's a lot <laughs> more in Star Trek, the next generation that I can relate to on a whole different level that I mm-hmm. couldn't relate to right. um, as a, as a teenager. So watching, um, you know, Pulaski now I'm like warmed up to her. I feel like right. she's actually pretty awesome. And, and, um, you know, she's a character that's very, 
very interesting and so unfortunately <laughs> yeah i mean i never dis- i never disliked her it was the politics behind why like gates mcfadden was forced to leave the show i mean she was fired so and they pulled in you know right and not knowing any of that at the time i kind of guess one senses that mm-hmm. you know because we do know that there are weird you know when a character's just suddenly not yeah, there anymore you know. we know that it's like yeah. you know that there's something yeah. you know even weird, when you're younger weird perhaps going up yeah mm-hmm. i do have to say that i imagine they wanted to do like a death scene and gates is like no effing way i'm not gonna <laughs> record a death scene so they sure. so it actually ended up being in her favor because they were able to bring her back uh well, they had to the ratings tanked for season two, they went down. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Well, it makes sense. And because, well, a lot of uh, what I've read is that Pulaski really didn't fit within the cast, like within the existing characters. It was weird because she was written almost to just be the exact opposite of Crush, like Crusher. Right. Excuse me. I feel like it was almost a, an extra twist in that knife that they already put in her back. Yeah, um, and I think. I think I don't know if you know about the writer's strike that was going on at mm-hmm. the same time as this. So, like, I think they were also looking because of the writer's strike. Uh, the producers were looking at old scripts for like uh, the the uh, original series TV reboot mm-hmm. uh, that was planned that never that never happened. And um, my friend, the doctor, and I in watching the season we really started to gather that maybe some of the lines Pulaski say could have been like a tribute they to sound McCoy. a lot like what doc yeah to what Dr. McCoy yeah. might be Scott like Scott so. brought that up earlier today too and I was like <laughs> yeah. no oh, that's cool. wrong leave it alone <laughs> no it, it just seems that way yeah I'm it's sure. true yeah I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure that has something to do with it too but all in all, it's a it's a testament to Diana, um, mm-hmm. sorry Diana Mulder's performance mm-hmm. because you know we do warm up to the character. You know, it takes yeah, a whole she's, season, she's excellent. But you warm up to the character and you you really end <laughs> up loving gone. her. And then she's gone. And then gone. she's gone. Which, but then right is restored in a way because I do. I know. I do feel I understand your statement earlier about loyalties, and I mm-hmm. definitely personally felt like a real connection to the character of Doctor Crusher, and I, it was like a, a kind of a difficult. Uh, thing as a kid to be like oh my gosh like I don't know if you, you know I don't want I don't know if you want to say I was in love with Dr. Crusher oh, but I it just was. felt weird she, <laughs> it just felt <laughs> weird, she was my weird second to love. have her taken away <laughs> yeah yeah it really was like um I try to compare it to like Kira like how I would feel if she had been replaced but it's different I personally identified with Kira growing up um whereas Crusher, I just, you know, wanted to, like, make out with her. But I, <laughs> I loved her so much that it really bothered me. I saw this woman, and I'm like, who are you? Where did you know? Get off my screen. Like, it was like kind of <laughs> I did protest much of season two. So. It, it's, it's fun that we're having this discussion about uh, Dr. Pulaski because this is the second to last episode of the season. <laughs> so I guess this is a, an appropriate moment to actually make a kind of tribute to Dr. Plasky and mm. I'll, I'm ha- I happen to be having a little bit of wine just to relax here so uh, it is it is Starfleet Boy after dark a little <laughs> bit <laughs> so cheers to you uh, Diana Muldar yes, and also absolutely. to the character of Catherine Pulaski mm-hmm. who I'm sure um, lives on in the uh, expanded universe of Star Trek so cheers to, cheers. to Catherine Pulaski absolutely <laughs> What did you think of the um, the me- I I gathered that the message of the episode was basically, um, you know, that you can trust your instincts, and you have to do things um, as expertly as possible. I don't know. <laughs> it was like it was kind of like a weird. It was a cool episode because I think it did test our. Um, for me anyways, my confidence in the crew, there were times where I, I remember watching it this time and even being like, Oh, I don't remember what's going to happen. So I was a little like worried. I was like, is the, Mm -hmm. is the ship going to, you know, be captured by the Ferengi? And another thing I wondered was why is that even important? It felt like it was a bucket of bolts. So like, why not just 
surrender the ship to the Ferengi and then get it back through diplomatic channels. What do you think? I think it was because maybe they didn't have enough time to get everyone off the ship because there was like 25 people. I think that that's what it was, that they didn't have enough time to get them off. I think there was something wrong with the transporter. I could be making this up. Oh, you might be right. I totally forgot but, about that. Um, and if I made that up, well, they yeah. should have written it in there. Um, <laughs> but I agree with you on, you know, what do I think the point was of the episode? And I think it falls back to what Picard said. Like, you can do everything right and still lose. Um, mm-hmm. Because eventually, you know, Salami loses against Data <laughs> and, <laughs> and all this stuff. Like, um, but that kind of goes back and forth with each of them. Um, and then it, it shows, you know, that too, that like you're, you can do everything right and still win. It's just a, it's a wax and a wane kind yeah. of thing in life. Relevant story, I think, in in these times. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, Star Trek usually is. It's, it's pretty timeless. So it is. You know, it actually is proving to be. I knew the original. I felt the original series was already. It already had that kind of timeless quality mm-hmm. to it. When I was a kid, I would still relate to what was going on, even though it was, um, you know, made in the sixties. Uh, late 60s and now rewatching Next Generation and even rewatching Deep Space Nine I feel which is a little closer to our present day yes um, there's so many things that I feel like Star Trek was just like so spot on about mm-hmm. um, as it pertains to society today do you see something in the themes of this episode that maybe you could relate to uh, current times and and uh, feel free you know sh- Yes. If you want to share about that. Yeah, um, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I mean, we were so sure that Hillary was going to win. And we thought that she did everything absolutely right. And despite, you know, the media spinning it and making Trump look a joke, I mean, he really didn't do anything and he won. So I think it's really applicable to that. Like, that's why I said that quote was so important to me because I pretty much quoted that the day that he won. Oh wow, that's a, that's interesting. Because it's true. I mean, <laughs> we we did everything. We thought we were going to win. We were ahead. We had the popular vote, and we still tanked. So I mean, on a bigger scale, that's what it reminds me of. On a personal scale, it also hits home too. So I mean, I think I think that's why I liked what he said so much. It doesn't make anything better, but it's the truth. So. It is the truth, and and that is that is a good point. I think it does make things better from the sense <laughs> of that. I <laughs> I do no, I really do because I think like knowing, kind of facing up to that, you have kind of no choice but to move on. Mm-hmm. Like you can't go back to right. correct something in the past, um, and so you have to kind of like decide like you know what side of the. Uh, does this change anything about how I felt before the election? Um, do I still want? you know, to protect our environment? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does it change mm-hmm. that? No. Do I f- still believe that humans need to be treated like humans, all equal and not, you know, discriminate against one one kind of human or another kind of human? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Do I still believe that um, education is a fundamental right and should be given to as many people uh, as possible for little to no cost or free even? I don't mind that. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> like, I agree. you know, there's a, there's, it changes, uh, very little. It makes me more vigilant in a sense because now, you know, I don't know anything about Donald Trump as a leader and, um, every, you know, his track record in his own personal affairs and the way he presents himself in the media and kind of like the things I remember seeing about him as I was growing up, don't give me a lot of confidence mm-hmm. in him as the president, but, right. um, you know, but but that's okay. I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> I'm allowed to feel that way. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and so, uh, I'm, ha- I'm happy to go into an open discourse with president elect Trump if he wants to <laughs> come on the show <laughs> and, and talk to me about his policies and, and stuff. I'm, I'm open to that. <laughs> oh, <man>. But, uh, <laughs> if he ever discovers Starfleet boy, I'll be impressed that he actually likes Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But no, uh, going back to that, I do think that, yeah, it is good to hear kind of sober, what I would consider a sobering Mm -hmm. truth, because um, I will say that it is easy to think that everything's really great when you're in a society 
or a segment of society in which things are actually on the whole a lot better and living in a you know living in coastal areas in large cities we have a different perspective from areas that are um you know not quite as populous populated Mm -hmm. um and so it's important for us to like be reminded that there are others (laughs) yeah and that's true i mean I also liked um, how Data had a crisis, basically, um, or as Pulaski likes to call him, Data sometimes, <laughs> which drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> I think it's meant to, and it's doing a good job. He did have a crisis, and I thought that was really cool, just even from the perspective of like what kind of an extraordinary accomplishment he is mechanically and, mm-hmm. and software-wise, because like... That's something that that's if I would argue that's a very human it characteristic. It was very human. Even though they kept yeah. trying to spend it with like he would say I am concerned and I kept thinking, <laughs> well, you know a synonym for that would be worried and that is yeah. a human I mean both of them are human emotions. I was like, I'm pretty sure that my MacBook does not care when it shuts everything down. <laughs> So, um, have you learned nothing from Pixar films? <laughs> <laughs> Our electronics have latent feelings. Please they, don't they, tell me that. No, it probably no, hates me. Um, <laughs> I'm teasing. I, I don't know. actually have proof of that. <laughs> yet. But yeah, Not he yet. was he was a lot more human in this episode probably than any others even when he has like facial expressions towards Pulaski when she's pretty much saying okay you have to lie right now look at my face and lie to him <laughs> like yeah and and it's 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 something to it's something to really think about because he lied right well yeah but <laughs> aside from that like just what you described i mean that's a testament to if you're in the camp of uh, Dr. Maddox you're you're going to mm-hmm. say well, that's just freaking amazing programming. I mean, the fact that Data can emulate and make you believe that he's real human is the tr- that's the mm-hmm. that's the that's the reality. That's what Dr. Maddox believes. Whereas some of us, including myself, I actually don't think he's human, but I definitely think, you know, cuz he's not born the no. same way a human species-wise would be. But as far as like having a soul or having like being a life form that's like, mm-hmm. you know, pre- present and real, um, data fits all the all the hallmarks of all those things. I think he grows into it. I think he really does yeah. as a character. I think he, and that's part of becoming artificial intelligence is just learning more and more and more until you fit in more. Uh, but that's that was really interesting. I think, and it made me think. Oh, this is only season two, and he's. Right. He's already experiencing something human. Um, and we all know how Data turns out. I mean, I like that yeah. scene. This is like one of the first kind of indicators that he has like this this like quality where mm-hmm. he can actually be, uh, for lack of a better uh, term, human. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he, you know, everyone's like, come on, Data, you actually beat... Um, uh, salami you like did it like and <laughs> what is it Kolrami Kolrami yeah, <laughs> but when he when he beats him Data's like you know he's like no no it's a draw and then he's yeah, like he's, he's, got he's like I busted right and then he's like I busted him up and everyone's like yeah <laughs> that's what we wanted to hear <laughs> right exactly he was he was really humble I, it just made me really sad what he lost too because he looked sad and he was so confused and I don't know I just felt really bad for him and then that you know he was so egotistical I to the point that I want to call him narcissistic but I know that <laughs> apparently it is warranted and narcissism does not come with actual backup evidence but he is very <laughs> very egotistical so the the thing about people uh like uh Kolrami I think who are super obsessed with just like success and they you know so eventually it's like you have a winning streak mm-hmm. his is like flawless right so he's mm-hmm. like never lost a battle and his even his people are are have never even been challenged because as Worf points out earlier like no one's even challenged them because they just everyone just believes they're like the, the best yeah military strategists in the in the galaxy right <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so which by the way where the heck were they when the Borg invaded <laughs> 
probably feeling like they were too good for the fight. For the fight, perhaps. That's just my... my, Well, and when they kept saying that, like, you know, they were just so highly acclaimed and everything, I was thinking, I was like, so is this real factual evidence that they actually are this great, or did they fake it enough to where people believed it, and therefore they manifested this presence of it, and so that's why he's able to like train these people because he really didn't do anything but talk crap the whole time. Yeah, it's true. I I have to say that I I do believe that that his species um and they and they kind of remind me. Did you ever read the Dune novels or watch mm-hmm. any of the Dune? Yeah, they remind me of Mentats. You know, like mm-hmm. it is it is possible, but the fact the very fact that they aren't machines. We know as humans, we're like <laughs> adamant that like they can't be perfect, right? Right. But I, I would say that their culture, the culture of the, um, oh, what were they called? <laughs> the Zachdorn. Thank yes. You. Good job. <laughs> I would say that the Zachdorn culture uh, probably is is as great as people say. But since they, what Worf's point was is that since they haven't been tested in so long, anything's possible. Like it's mm-hmm. just. You know, like that's that's his case there. And I think that that's a valid point because you're probably right. They probably may, I didn't see any Zach Doran mm-hmm. presence in at Wolf 359. Yeah. And maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there is the there's probably like a bigger, uh, more researched uh, uh, fans than us that can that can write in and tell us more about the Zach Doran. Please, because I do not know them from a ham sandwich. So um. I don't think they ever appear again. <laughs> Because um, they're lying. But <laughs> that's true. they probably hide, and then when everyone else is dead around them, they're like, "We did this." Oh my god, that's amazing! Which would I, then make them have narcissistic personality disorder, because they would be overcompensating for something that they never did. You know what? I'm funny. gonna stick with that. <laughs> I don't care what All- anyone writes. <laughs> It's official here. The major has <laughs> concluded through some scrutinization of Zach Dorn <laughs> culture that they are p- perhaps so successful in having fended off enemies because their narcissism overpowers anyone <laughs> anyone else's. <laughs> I mean, um, it could be true. I mean, fair point. No, I, I would say that's a fair point. <laughs> and if it's sad enough. I mean, I could see why. And there's this guy is so obnoxious. I just would not even want to <laughs> bother with him. So I would just let you, you're right. Please just go away. <laughs> so I could see. Oh my gosh, you totally figured it out. And I, it, there's a lot of evidence. You're absolutely. You know, there's a lot. If if salami is a representation <laughs> of his people, then there's a ton of evidence to support what you just said mm-hmm. in his behavior. So I, I'm going to tend to agree with you on this one. <laughs> and I would also like to, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm plagiarizing. So uh, credit to Amy Cuddy for uh, the presence comment and about fake it till you make it, because that totally comes <laughs> from her study. So um, uh, okay, cool. Who's Amy Cuddy? So she is a. Um, <laughs> I think she's a sociologist. I don't want to get this wrong. She's at our Harvard Business. She follows me on Twitter. God, I'm gonna get this wrong, and it's gonna be terrible. <laughs> Um, she's actually the reason why I talked, another reason why I talked to you guys, um, because she wrote about the prime directive, which started me to watch DS nine all over again, because we had a conversation about it. So, um, and I thought, well, that doesn't apply at all to DS nine. So let's watch that. Um, wow. So Please forward me links to anything you think interesting that I'd want to read about. Amy yeah, Cuddy. that her, sounds cool. Yeah. yeah, her book is really, really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, all right. So, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I want to backtrack a little bit. We should have probably done this at the beginning of uh, the episode, but would you mind uh, telling us your life's history with Star Trek and, you, you know, just like how did you come into star trek and maybe just like the second part of the question after that would be like what does it mean to you (laughs) okay um so i have a pretty big history my uncle watched uh tos or the original series um and i would watch it with him when i was really little 
Um, it was never something that I really connected to. Please, no one hate me. Please. Um, <laughs> no one will hate you. Don't uh, worry. <laughs> every time I say that, I get like a parade of rude tweets. Like it's not even funny. I appreciate. You shouldn't. You shouldn't take that personally. That's I know. <laughs> I appreciate it for what it is and what it's set. Um, but I still can't like fully connect to it, and it's. I don't know what it is about it. Um, I'm kind of the same way with Voyager now, which I liked Voyager when I was younger. Um, so I caught The Next Generation at the very tail end of it airing um, and was watching reruns of it on, I think it was Fox that played it in my hometown at like 8 or 9 o'clock at night it would play it. Um, so I kind of you know, caught up and got it like the idea of what everything was and then one night um I th it was either my grandpa or my grandma told me that there was a new star trek that was coming on and that was deep space nine so i used to watch that with my grandpa who i thought was sleeping but apparently he wasn't <laughs> because <laughs> when i told him about all of this he was able to identify uh, major kira so i thought that was funny on his own so um yeah. Major Kira is pretty memorable. I'm not surprised. Well, he didn't remember her name. He called her, uh, how did he put it? Um, the boss lady in red with the scrunched up nose. I believe that that's how it is. That's, yeah. that's a pretty accurate description of Major Kira. It that's is. Awesome. It is. It is. Um, and from like rewatching it, um, I kind of caught like those first feelings of seeing her all over again and feeling she was probably the biggest impact. Um, I felt so understood with her just being on my screen that it was ridiculous. Um, so that's probably, I mean, obviously my love started with TNG, but I mean, I would say so that it was completely manifested by deep space nine and major kieran specifically was like a trans ha, in, being introduced to her character mm -hmm. was like a transformative experience for you yes. it sounds like yeah, yeah. It, it i built my personality at the age of nine around her yeah wow I was, fantastic i was being bullied in school and all kinds of stuff so i mean it it completely it completely changed my life so what was the second question well, you kind of have been answering it, um, okay. uh, which is what does it mean to you? And it sounds like mm -hmm. Star Trek and, and specifically the character of Kira means a lot to you. And I think that's really cool. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like you overcame bullying and like, yeah, just like um, I think stories, you know, just to kind of go off into a, like a larger tangent here. But, you know, stories do inform us about who we are. We mm -hmm. find out I, I believe not all of us kind of like just kind of pop out into the world and like we're like oh yeah this is who i am you know like it's it's a journey it's a discovery and and you know kind of to bring it back to this episode much like how data is discovering mm -hmm. who he is you know right. and, and and discovering that he's alive we we as humans experience that throughout our lives and we change it we, we're totally we change our minds about it sometimes sometimes we realize we were wrong about who we are um all kinds of things uh and, right. and for you to have that experience at age nine where you solidified a part of yourself mm -hmm. and it helped you it did and you know <laughs> you i've know, been going like, through that's cool something personal that lately and watching the series all over again kind of i think that part of me was silenced for a while and watching the series all over again just kind of like almost reactivated it to a point. Because um, like I was talking to my grandpa through all of this and he was like, you know, when you were little, you acted like no one messed with you. And it absolutely was from that point of, you know, no one, no one talked crap to me. I was fine. But the truth was very, very different. I just became very, very good at hiding it. Um, so, and that was part of like me assuming this persona of, you know, being like the major pretty much. Um, but yeah, I think it's really important. And I also find it really interesting when, because throughout all this, you know, people have reached out to me and told me like what the show means to them. And 
it's not really an uncommon thing. I mean, people like me went through child abuse and then bullying. And, I mean, it's different than other franchise fans that identify with a character, I feel like. I really feel like Star Trek is exponentially more personal, I would say. I, you know, for me, I certainly agree with you 100% on that. Um, to me, Star Trek is very personal. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I don't, I also, you know, with respect, I don't want to discount other fandoms. Oh, I no, mean, absolutely you know. <laughs> not. Absolutely not. Because I have, but at the same, yeah. I mean, yeah that, but at the same time, I know what you're talking about 100%, like, and I agree with you. Because for me, it, I, I have definitely have some transformative experiences that are a result of Star Trek and, uh, you know, characters that resonated with me, especially Data is one of them, Mm -hmm. uh, and especially Spock, I think, from Mm -hmm. the classic series. And on uh, Star Trek Deep Space Space Nine, I, I find myself you know, looking at Odo and yeah. and even Dax sometimes. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm a maybe I'm a changeling or a, a symbiote in in my. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? One one never knows why, but I think it mm-hmm. is important that stories in general. To going going back to my other point, before Star Trek came along, there were you know the mythologies. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's way before Star Trek came along. <laughs> it wasn't like the week before or anything. Yeah, like not like the week before. But humans, I think, are are drawn to stories and storification, mm-hmm. and I think there's a reason for that. I think part of our perhaps our brain development relies on uh, storifying our lives in order to remember things that happen right. in them. You it's know? like cataloging so, it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Star Trek does a really good job of pretty much giving everything and everyone a story. It's almost like, I mean, you know, other franchises touch on that too. Like Star Wars does it. Harry Potter does it. Where, you know, like even treasury characters, like they have their own lives. So that I, I think that that's really important. It's almost like there's something for everyone kind of thing, if that makes sense. It, it's perfect to do that, too, because by virtue of having a crew, you have opportunities to tell the stories of not just the captain, but mm-hmm. many, many different characters. Right. Since we're on this crazy tangent, I'm loving it, by the way. <laughs> um like Star Trek Discovery, that's one of the things that yeah. I'm kind of, you know, I'm really hopeful and, and excited um, that the show does, you know, it stays true to Star Trek, but it also goes further than any Star Trek series mm-hmm. has before. And I, I'm, I am excited. I have to say about Star Trek Discovery, especially after finding out that an actor who I admire, two of them actually, uh, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Anthony, mm-hmm. um, Anthony Rapp, are going to be in it. That that excites me immensely. But I just, you know, as a cautiously optimistic fan. Uh, I'm waiting to see what happens. <laughs> right, right. How do no, you I feel understand. about how do you feel about Star Trek Discovery? I'm hopeful too. Um, I didn't really like Enterprise a whole lot. That was one that I forgot to mention earlier. Right. Uh, oh, speaking of Enterprise, did you notice that one of the maneuvers in the uh, simulated battle was the Danublian mm-hmm. maneuver. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what Dr. Flox is, yes. right? He's a D- Danublian, that's right. Yeah. Was <laughs> Sorry, really go on. I, no, I that's didn't mean to point. interrupt you. It's like an Easter egg that existed <laughs> right. prior to Easter, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's a, that was good. It's a creation, a creation egg or a Big Bang egg, we'll start calling yes. it. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I'm really hopeful for it. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect. I like the cast that they put together for the Klingons so far. Um, I was really impressed with that. Can uh, you? I haven't caught up on the news, uh, so I don't know about the Klingon cast. Can you tell me more? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. I oh, just remember okay. when I'm I read ha- the article, I was very so, impressed. <laughs> so just a, a thing about Star... So Drunk Space Nine is a little more in the moment, and, uh, and so <laughs> Star... Starfleet Boy, we record episodes out, so I apologies. This is like in the queue, so you're not gonna see this episode for like four more <laughs> four or five more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing we say is ever timely on Starfleet Boy. But okay, what <laughs> I would love to invite you on I wanna do a special, like more timely episode where it's usually I call them the Starfleet Boys log mm-hmm. which is talking about Star Trek news so I will make sure to invite you okay, to that good. I'll read so the that we can talk again. about yeah that's <laughs> fine it, it's it's casual and informal just like this so you don't have to but it would be great to uh, get together and actually talk about Star Trek Discovery so we both yeah. have to do a little homework yeah, yeah it's cool I agree 
Um, yeah, because I was going to say something about... How you didn't like Enterprise. <laughs> well, no, I already said something about that. I was going to say something about, was it the producer or that dropped out or left for Discovery? God, I feel like a schmuck right now because I oh, can't... Oh, um, Brian um, Fuller. Yes, Fuller. Brian Fuller, yes. yes. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. I, that Who was wrote for... I think he wrote for DS9 and Voyager, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. That and TNG was, also, I mean. That was my biggest disappointment whenever he was he was dropped or dropped out of it. I'm not sure the deets at this point, but the fact that he's no longer associated with it, that kind of bummed me out. It was kind of a bummer, but I also do know, I, I think as far as I know, uh, Nicholas Mayer is still associated mm-hmm. with the project. Right. And Nicholas Mayer is responsible for Star Trek Two, and much of the really the... Current day Star Trek, I think, owes a lot to Nicholas Mayer. Mm-hmm. Um, he and you know he took Gene Roddenberry's ideas mm-hmm. and kind of um, took them to a level that I don't know. It'd be that'd be a whole uh, conversation in itself. But I think, as far as I'm aware, he's still associated with Star Trek Discovery. So that gives mm-hmm. me a little bit of hope. Um, so have faith in Nicholas Mayer. Yeah, <laughs> not I don't. Brian Fuller, yeah. Right now, I have a feeling that it won't stink, but I don't want to make that like a confirmation, and then it does. <laughs> but um, I, I have no, good I expectations for it, despite the little shortcomings that I've seen. So, I, I have, you know, I, I think we can safely say we both have probably the highest expectations for it. I think that that's true. Um. I think that's true for a lot of fans. <laughs> I think it's true for a lot of fans. I mean, that's the thing about something you love is you. You tend to have just want uh, to love it so bad. Want to love it so bad. That was yeah, me with exactly. Enterprise. I pretty much said that after every episode. I want to love you so bad. <laughs> so I'm hoping that the producers know that, and they're just like, let's just completely baffle mm. people with fake news about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> yes, <and> like, <laughs> please, please let this be a game, please. <laughs> and then the actual product will be just like glorious and wonderful, and we'll all be like, oh. Anything is possible now. <laughs> we we will be doing the same format that we do for Star Trek: uh, The Next Generation. We're, when Discovery finally comes on, we'll actually be doing the reviews. I don't know how CBS uh, intends to present it. If it's going to do like what Netflix does and give us the whole season at once, or if it's going to be something like more like you know HBO, where you have to wait. A week, every week, you know, uh, to see it. Either way, I'll be excited about it. Um, I am a little disappointed about what I understand the subscription model is. I understand that, like, you're supposed to pay for it, but you still get commercials unless you pay more for it, and then you so won't like get commercials. Hulu? Like yeah, I guess. Is that Hulu? Okay, is that how <laughs> yeah. Hulu works? Okay. No disc it's to the Hulu, one. but yes. <laughs> That's the service I don't have. I have Amazon because I'm a prime member and I have mm-hmm. Netflix and I have and I have the HBO and that's all I've got. Oh. So <laughs> I don't have HBO. I have Amazon, Hulu and Netflix. Nice. Yeah. Um so hopefully CBS, I don't know. I MacGyver reboot was not enough to get me to subscribe. Star Trek definitely <laughs> will, but uh, <laughs> it's true. I really wanted to like love the MacGyver reboot. I just so badly was like, please let MacGyver reboot be amazing. And I like the actor that they chose. I just was like, no, I still it's MacGyver is Richard Dean Anderson and only Richard Dean Anderson can be MacGyver. (laughs) And also, I mean, how many times can you make a TV show about a guy who can get out of a locked room with gum wrappers and uh, what, like it's a, been, yeah, a, a you're hairpin right. or something. The the nice thing is you can watch classic MacGyver episodes yes. on on uh, Netflix and and I I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet, but you know Nana Visitor. She had a mullet was, in it. <laughs> yeah, she was on an we episode. We were talking of about it on Twitter the other night. Uh, a lot of people. I did, were I think I discovered it from <laughs> yeah from something she posted. It's magnificent. Right. <laughs> I'll make sure um, she listens so <laughs> to this. <laughs> Nana, if you're listening, live long and prosper, and I'm a fan. <laughs> oh my God. But um. 
But uh, either way, I think I think it's you know I I think we'll, I'll be excited to talk to you more about Star Trek Discovery. I think we should wrap this episode up unless there's anything else you want to share about this episode or observations or highlights or even things you didn't like about it that you maybe haven't discussed. Um, I mean, outside of like, I like the way that Riker carried himself despite you know, Karami like. Throwing him under the bus every fifteen minutes and making him seem—we like didn't talk about that at he all. Was You're dumb. right. But um, that that speaks to Commander Riker's confidence, and I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because it reminded me, like, I would just my memory just went like lit up for a second. It's okay. <laughs> it's like, I just remembered how like Captain Picard defended him when mm-hmm. Kalrami. That was a nice scene when Kalrami was like. You know, Captain Picard was kind of tolerating his behavior, mm-hmm. and then finally he's just like, in my quarters right now, and he's like, why are you talking shit? And, <laughs> yeah. and Kalrami, you know, he's like, well, I just find him to be lacking, and his style of, like, and his, the way he manages, he's just, like, so happy he about everything. Yeah, he didn't even really give, <laughs> like, anything that was a good reason at all. Yeah, it was, not It at was all. so opinion-based, and, oh, God, I hate this guy. Um... <laughs> but yeah, I, I I was really impressed because I always found like I never well he's not really like off the cuff but he's very. I well, one could argue him. he's telling his truth. You know, he's yeah. telling exactly what he believes, which is to you got to yeah. give him credit for that. But he is rude about it. I will definitely he's say that totally there is like but he, he is really rude about it. He doesn't yeah. have to care because he's the best in the universe. <laughs> Asshole. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I tried really hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's still PG thirteen. I think thirteen year olds understand what, what curse words are at, okay, at that point. So we're, we're fine, I think. Um, no, but <laughs> I really like how passionate you are about it. By the way, I noticed there's a friend in the room with you. Yeah, I was freaking out. I wasn't going to say anything, but my cat came in here and he almost knocked off my laptop, almost walked on a bag of chips. Like <laughs> it was about to be real. So he's just sitting here right now and biting me because I'm petting him. So I don't know what to do with him. But yeah, he did come in here. That's funny. Well, what's your cat's name? His name is Jackson, not Dexter. Um, Hi, dis- Jackson. <laughs> Despite uh, what? Galdu Scott. Galdu Scott, <laughs> a.k.a. Dexter. Well, hello there, Jackson. Yeah, um, he's Good. Mess. Well, welcome to the show, Jackson. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree with you that Riker uh, showed, like, such a strong character in the fact that, like, even insult after insult, insult he's he remained professional in my opinion mm-hmm. i don't know if you agree with that i do agree i do yeah. even whenever he did a backhanded <laughs> remark in the beginning um about how he he appreciated brains over brawn um mm-hmm. i was like well played sir and his style of management or leadership i should say is actually quite wonderful because mm-hmm. you do see like what they actually came up with they stood a fighting chance of winning and they actually Mm -hmm. that is what actually ended up helping them out in the whole dilemma with the Ferengi um anyhow so it was actually turned out that their improvisation which is actually uh, again another brilliant stroke by the producers and the writers because um Riker is a musician and so improvisation Mm -hmm. is something that musicians really try to hone um especially jazz musicians which is what he favors um, so I like that kind of connection there. And, and then I like that, ev- you know, the whole thing that, you know, they kind of like bent the rules just exactly where they could, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, they didn't really lie. They at Wesley got permission to come aboard the uh-huh. enterprise. It that was, was a science. <laughs> yeah, was it was so really good. <laughs> so, you know, I think that in a situation like this episode actually uh, something that it mimics very closely is the Kobayashi Maru, which is a test that every kind of command, you know, Starfleet commander goes through. And we've seen it, you know, in the Star Trek reboots and we've seen it referenced in the original uh, Star Trek timeline as well. And um, and I think this was like 
an amazing way of kind of like a lighthearted way of showing the no-win scenario and how Mm -hmm. really maybe there isn't a no-win scenario. Maybe there's always a way to win, as Worf uh, points out in the the episode. So, yeah. (laughs) Good. Great. I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we weren't finished with the discussion. That's awesome. Sorry. Sorry. No, you're good. I just try to keep it under an hour. I've gotten some feedback. And I agree that like we could talk about Star Trek probably forever. all night long. Yeah, forever. forever. So it's it is good to have like a speed limit or mm-hmm. a time limit <laughs> right. just to kind of help us get it all I all think, into gear. I think we covered everything though. I think so too. I, I feel I feel very satisfied with our discussion. <laughs> um we <laughs> we switched from a rating system on Starfleet Boy to just thumbs up and thumbs down to honor uh Cisco and Ebert. Okay. Uh so I'll go ahead if or unless you want to go first. Uh do you give this episode a thumbs up or a thumbs down? I give it a thumbs up. Yeah. I do too. This episode gets a thumbs up for me. So that's two thumbs up from Starfleet Boy <laughs> and the Major. Yes. I also want to say I felt really uh, happy to have you on my show. And uh, it was a really exciting, engaging uh, conversation and, and discussion. And I look forward to talking to you about it more. And maybe we can bring a little of this, a little bit of this classiness and sophistication <laughs> to uh to drunk space I nine well and i was just thinking i was like i was so nervous when this started but i wasn't for drunk space because i was drunk um so it helps it does um i think we can try i'm not sure it's gonna actually come off as classiness with us being drunk um but we can absolutely try we will I think try so. I, trying is the important thing as we find out as the lesson, one of the other lessons of this episode is uh, don't give up, keep trying, right? Yes. Yes. All right. That is, yeah, that's true. Look at that. Full circle. I love it. Beautiful. So on that note, uh, Major, thank you for joining me. I uh, am really appreciative. Live long and prosper, and we'll see you next time. Oh.